Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Would you like to become the headline sponsor of the most authoritative Liverpool podcast on the planet? Would you like to be front and centre on Walk On alongside James, Kiva, Simon, Andy and Tony? Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of highly engaged Reds fans every month? Of course you would. Well, your brand can advertise with us now. Our skilled and charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. The Athletic. Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, whisper quietly, there's Liverpool's revival taking shape, four unbeaten in the Premier League, and the Reds face the biggest tests as Manchester United head to Anfield. We'll also get into the aggro at the academy, and Wednesday's win over Wolves, and the company of Kiefer O'Neill, Andy Jones and James Pearce. But let's kick off with those three words. Kiva, you always don't want to go too first because you never got it three words. So that's it. Uh, I bet you prepared this week. I'm always in trouble about this, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> I I was thinking, and it kind of makes sense and it kind of doesn't, but fourth clean sheet, obviously, I mean, in a row. So if someone can use their three words just to say in a row, we club <laughs> together, then we got six words, fourth clean sheet in a row. In the Premier League, obviously, I think that is massive for Liverpool because we know how slippy they've been when they've conceded just any kind of goal but especially those early ones Andy mine would be calm and composed because I think Liverpool's win it wasn't perfect by any means but it felt like Liverpool were going to win the game and it didn't feel like Wolves were going to win the game so that was quite nice (laughs) James Uh, I'll go with much more polished Mm. I've got to say I'm not quite convinced, but will be if they beat United. And that's what we all want to see, isn't it? But let's find out what they're saying on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Tom Hales, consistency is the key. Tim and Cobelt, hunt them down. Dave Maybe, rely on youth. And Tom Dano, bring on United. Well, you know, Alan Dorster, I love it when we play Man United. You know, Everton are the big rivalry in the city, as we all know. But United, when you're scouts, you're brought up to like, you know, to Manchester are the enemy, aren't they? You know, it's the way it is. And United were the, the most exciting game in many ways for me when I, when I was young. First time I saw Liverpool United was um, 1970, would you believe? George Best was playing. And my first time at Old Trafford in 1972. So, yeah, I love these games. And, James, we're looking forward to it. But how do we feel going into it? Because that was a routine win. Ball steam ahead. Looking for Salah! That's more like the old Liverpool. You know, you can't say that's happened too often this season. No, and that was why 
it was such, such an absolute breath of fresh air, really, the sight of Liverpool cruising to what was ultimately a comfortable win. Yeah, they had to be patient. They had to grind Wolves down. And, of course, there's still plenty of room for improvement. But I think I think Klopp summed it up perfectly afterwards when he said... I thought Enfield proved the point tonight again. It was uh, super, super enjoyable. Um, it felt like a proper unit. We all together uh, loved that. And, um, yeah, that's what we need again on Sunday. The shape and the control that Liverpool had on the game was was really impressive defensively you know we talked so much about Allison being exposed so often but you know I think Wolves had one shot on target and that was inside the first three minutes after that didn't really get a sniff six changes to the team that had started that lifeless stalemate at Selhurst Park and you know, we saw the difference that Canate makes great to see him back alongside Van Dijk who I thought was at his commanding best in, in both boxes you know bold from Klopp to pick two teenagers to start in midfield, yet, you know, that was vindicated and Bersetic and Elliot massively benefited from, certainly for Fabino's best display of the season so far for me, which, again, it's a pretty low bar with the issues he's had, but <laughs> uh, the protection the protection was so much more impressive from from Fabino, who, you know, it was, it was just great to see him snapping into tackles, reading the game better, intercepting, putting Liverpool on the front foot. And then, you know, attacking-wise, I thought, you know, Jota, yes, he's still waiting for that elusive goal. But, you know, he set the tone with the way that he hassled and harried defenders. And, and yeah, eventually Liverpool got their reward. So, um, yeah, I think we knew this was going to be a pivotal week in the context of trying to force their way into that, that top four battle. And it was, I think, you couldn't have really asked for much more. Well, Kiva, you know, you were talking about on uh, Monday, you were talking about Derwin and... He came in, I came back, and he was excellent, wasn't he? I mean, the attack were, were very good. I think having Nunes back, I mean, he just brings that energy, doesn't he? Which mm. is becoming so pivotal to Liverpool at the minute because we know how important pressing from the front is, and I think Jota does a great job of that as well. And he seems to be a little bit more up to speed now. I guess he's got more minutes in his legs, which I think will be important for him. I'm sure his goals will start coming, but obviously gets an assist against Wolves, his old club. I think Nunes, pretty important for that as well. You know, Luis Diaz, not far away. Liverpool are getting back those those players who've, who've got the energy and got that quality to break through teams who are difficult to break down, I guess. And, and Liverpool... Did that against Wolves, who've been a, a weird nemesis, nemesis, haven't they, this season? Played them a hundred times and yeah, been been tricky at times as well. But an important win in midweek, given that if Liverpool don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but Liverpool, you know, somehow managed to beat Man United, which, you know, isn't so far fetched an idea, is it, on Sunday? They could go seven points within United, which is, you know, how different and positive will we all feel then if that happens, obviously that's a big if, but things are boding well for Liverpool and I think, you know, a lot of that does start with Nunes as well. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things for me is during this pause spell, you know, you look at the team and you you see Alisson there, you've Van Dijk, you've got Trent, 
You've got Salah up front. You've got, obviously, Nunes, who might be a world-class player, but very good player. We, we've got enough talent there. We've got enough talent to be challenging Manchester United. We've got enough talent to be in the top four. And, you know, even in the midfields, which we've moaned about you know, for so long this year, there's players there. I mean, what did you make, Andy, that, that midfield three last night? Bowls, as James said, by Klopp. But, you know, I think boldness is where we're at these days. Yeah, I think I think it was. I was a little bit surprised that he'd gone in, in what felt like a massive game. He'd gone for for both of the, the young lads, but then equally, I think after after the Palace midfield display, I don't think any of them necessarily put the cases forward for for keeping the places. But I think equally, Klopp, whether he you know had an eye on on this one for but Fabinho and Bessetic were definitely given a rest against Palace just to manage them. So I think they were always going to come back in, and it was it was always going to be about what he wanted to do. With that other slot, and and he you know he went for a more of an attacking option, which I think was good, and it it showed the intent of of what Liverpool wanted to do, and it was about being on the front foot, and I think they were they were a proper unit, weren't they? And as James said, it I think it was massively helped by Fabinho's you know leaping performance levels. Whether he got a bit more confidence, I think it was a you know around the tenth minute when he when he wins the ball back in Wolves' box, and then he doesn't get the pass right to Nunes, and he's gutted about it, but. Just that that was a, a big sign that right he's on it here. This has it's, it's not something we've seen from Fabinho very much if at all this season, really, that front footedness to be able to go and really dominate in you know in the opposition territory of winning the ball back. And I think that that massively helped his his performance and then Bassetti just continues to to wow, really, doesn't he? You know, every time you watch, I mean that's that turn on around five minutes when Allison pings it at him just outside his own box. Do you think, oh God? what's going to happen here and he just turns out of trouble away from two Wolves players it was just like you know it was just wow and another one of them wow moments if you like and then Elliot was you know really really good in his work as well you know he had you know he was part of, of Liverpool's best attacking chances in that first half and probably a bit annoyed with himself that he didn't get a goal but I think the most important thing was it, it was it was that unit and he didn't get dominated um, and they were the ones who controlled it and while I think Liverpool in general took a long time to settle. They were still, you know, it was clear, you know, they were the better side, I think, and, and eventually that that's hold. Like you say, it, it didn't feel for me like ten in a corner, but you know, it looked much more dynamic than of late, certainly than a palace. And you know, James, where where do you think it leaves them in this chase for the top four? I mean the six points off Spurs with a game in hand, and let's face it. Spares are like going through a similar sort of situation to us. They're higher in the table, but you never know what you're going to get from them. No, and they've they've still got to come to Anfield, of course, um, which which could be absolutely pivotal. I think, um, yeah, when you look at it, what Liverpool into the top six, I don't see anyone below Liverpool. I think you know as a as a massive threat. I know. Brighton, I think, have got a couple of games in hand, but you know, I'm, I'm not convinced they're going to be able to put together the kind of run needed to get into the top four. Same goes for for Fulham, and then you know, just above Liverpool, you know, Newcastle. You know, I'd, I'd be surprised with the limitations of their squad. You know, I think they've shown you know over the last month or so a bit of a dip that I would expect to probably continue through. So it's it, yeah, it does look increasingly likely that it'll it'll be a shootout between Liverpool and Tottenham. For fourth, and of course, you know Tottenham, you know coming coming off the back of you know a pretty wretched FA Cup defeat to Sheffield United last night, so you know Liverpool should should fancy it, and I think as you said, Tony, it's not the quality's there to to get the job done. It's 
it, the problem has been so many players underachieving for, for so long of the season, coupled with all the injury issues that, that, have, that have dogged them along the way. So, um, yeah, they're giving themselves a real chance, aren't they? You, you, know, you think from that debacle at Molyneux, what was that, a month ago, when, you know, the, to, to go mid, win the Merseyside derby, and now, yeah, of course, you can't just overlook what happened against Real Madrid, but it's 10 points out of 12 in the Premier League. It's four clean sheets in a row. Um, you know, there have been signs of recovery, but I think the real litmus test for how far that goes will obviously come at Anfield on Sunday against a much, much better team than than Liverpool have, have, have beaten of late. And uh, just picking up on what Andy said about the midfield-wise, I thought, you know, again, one of the most impressive things for me about Bacetic was how he handled, quite unfairly in my book, getting a yellow early on. Because Mateus Nunes, you know, absolutely con with the way... It was one of those ones where it was a nothing foul, really, but the, the rolling around and the theatrics convinced Tierney to get the yellow, the yellow card out. And for someone who plays Bacetic's role, that you know, that part of his game is being in opponents' faces and winning the ball back and trying to turn defence into attack. So it's a hell of an ask, but he's done that. I can think of probably two, three, even four times now where he's handled himself so well when it could be a bit of a predicament when you're on a yellow that early in the game. And yeah, I thought that there was there was just so many positives to, to come out of it. And, and probably the, the, the biggest one of the lot was the fact they didn't allow the disallowed VAR goal to affect them. Because I think mm. in a season when you've had so many setbacks, that would have been easy to just think, oh, here we go again, you know, the world's against us. And I, and I think when, when I watched it back, I can kind of, it's one of those ones where I think when you slow it down, it always looks a lot worse. And, you know, I, I didn't see a foul initially, but when you watch it back, Jota does catch Kilman, and then, it, you know, obviously then the ball drops into the path of Nunes. But, you know, it was the kind of one where I'm not convinced, you know, the, it's one of those ones that could go either way. It's not always going to get ruled out. But yeah, the fact that Liverpool channelled that frustration, channelled that sense of injustice and actually got better rather than kind of wilted, I, I think that was probably the biggest sign for me in terms of the mindset changing. Well, yeah, and I think um, we can take quite a bit of positivity from it. But you know what? Sunday is crucial. You listen to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As they emerge victorious on penalties and a scuffle breaking out after the game as well. The Porto goalkeeper on the floor. Tony Evans here with James Pierce, Kiever O'Neill, and Andy Jones would walk on from the Athletic. Well, I tell you what, there was a fight in Kirby on Wednesday night. Never heard that before. Kiva, you were there. What was it like? Tell us what happened. Was it man yeah, I, reckon, I reckon I was at the uh, the best game. On Wednesday night on Merseyside, I don't know if there was ever any others going on, but yeah, it was pretty. I mean, the game itself. So Liverpool under 19s played Porto 
in the last 16 of the UEFA Youth League, which is essentially the mini Champions League, isn't it? And Porto started the game really well, got a contentiously awarded penalty. Didn't look like a penalty from where I was. And, you know, it was on BT Sport, actually. So lots of people tweeting, never a pen. And, you know, it was quite funny being at the academy and the game is on, like, you know, a main channel. Loads of people are getting phone calls and, like, it was never a pen, that. And, like, you know, people like, hey, it's never a pen, that. Sort of just spreading different things around. I was like, this is, uh, you know, how the, ta- like, the sort of the role switch of Liverpool's first team not being on the telly and the under-19s were. It's the madness of modern-day football, isn't it? You know, you can't yeah. watch a Premier League game, but you can watch the under-19s. It's just, you know, it's... I mean, it, it, it was sense. It's just bizarre, really, isn't it? But, you know, great opportunity for the young lads at Liverpool. And he did take it, to be fair, you know, going 1-0 down. I think they struggled a little bit in that first half, got going towards the end of it. Then they get the goal in the second half through Mel Camus, Frauendorf, who I thought was brilliant in that second half. Ben Doak as well, just, you know... Absolutely magnificent again. Every time you watch him, you just he's so direct, fearless, quick, just can hit the ball with either foot, just wants to run at players, you know, will take it past them, run back, take it past them again. Just, you know, he, I think there was a hat-trick of turns that just were like, wow. But yeah, that wasn't even the drama really. So obviously the game goes to a penalty shootout and, you know, sort of rumours of... Uh, Luis Diaz's little brother is on the bench for Porto, Jesus Diaz, which, you know, we're all frantically Googling, like, what? What's going on here? Like, no one no one knew. It turns out that it is his brother after some extensive and quick Googling. So he comes on with another player in the final couple of minutes of the game to obviously take a penalty in the shootout. Doesn't get a touch of the ball for the last couple of minutes. And then he takes the fifth penalty. So Ben Doak, who's had a tremendous game, hits the post with the first penalty, Porto score all of theirs, Liverpool score all of theirs after that. So it all comes down to Jesus Diaz to step up and knock Liverpool out of the youth league, which essentially is potentially Liverpool's last real trophy hope of the season as a club. And Luis Diaz's little brother has this big opportunity and he blazes his penalty wide and he's absolutely devastated. And then, yeah, from there, Liverpool score a couple and uh, the Porto player steps up and hits the crossbar. And then, you know, Liverpool players are all celebrating, they run forward. And it was just bizarre because it was just like, I don't even know how Porto players got there that quickly, but obviously because their player and the goalkeeper were up that end, Liverpool players all sort of surround them. Well, they're celebrating in the goal mouth and then a few of them sort of run past and then it just sort of all kicks off, all coming together. Punches are being thrown, not entirely sure by who. The footage doesn't really show it very well. It was just like carnage, chaos to end the game. So it was it was probably all over after about 15 seconds. But for that 15 seconds, it was just wild. Like <laughs> nobody sort of expected the game to end in that way. Obviously, the Liverpool now through to the last eight, the quarterfinals, they'll face Sport and Lisbon away. So, you know, Porto gave up the opportunity of going down the coast and, you know, playing their their league rivals there. But yeah, just, I mean, pretty, pretty spectacular, pretty bizarre. It sounds like a fantastic night. And the thing is, you can be all po-faced about it, like the commentators, you know, you know, we don't like to see this sort of thing. But actually, have you ever seen a game that hasn't been improved by a, like a minor scuffle by a fight? I haven't. They're all great. I mean, Andy, it sounds like a brilliant night, doesn't it? I know, yeah, it, it, it certainly topped the mind of uh, watching Burnley go through against Fleetwood in the Cup where it was uh, attack v defence, but there was only one goal. 
uh, and then you get through and then you find out that you've got Man City away in the next round. So, um, yeah, I think it would have been uh, much more enjoyable if I'd been, uh, you know, watching that drama rather than an FA Cup victory that sort of feels completely pointless now, given the draw. Talking about conflict, James, we move on now to Sunday and we move on to Manchester United arriving at Anfield. Well, I mean, there's so much we can say about this game, but, you know, it's like, we, we, as you've said before, you know, th- three wins in the last five, unbeaten in the last four, the Premier League, not conceding. You know, does Real Madrid begin to look like a blip? Uh, United anywhere near as good as Real Madrid, despite the, you know, the plaudits they're getting. Where where do we stand in respect to United, do you think? <laughs> you know, I think it's a difficult one at the moment. I mean, they, they're they certainly in infinitely better shape than when Liverpool went to Old Trafford right at the, the start of the season when, you know, we were talking about both teams having got off to a, a, a pretty wretched start and Ten Hag was, was feeling the heat a bit already, wasn't he, then? And you, you think you have to... You have to, whether it's grudgingly or not, admire what he's done there since in terms of how he's got them going. And I think getting Ronaldo out the door has certainly been a key part in terms of transforming things there. And the fact that they're they're still competing on all fronts show you that they are dangerous. I don't I don't think they're in the same class as Real Madrid. I don't think they can hurt you in the same manner. But you know, when you when you look at the kind of ruthless way that they you know, they dispatched Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final, you know, even making quite a few changes last night, coming back to to beat West Ham in the way they did. And, you know, I don't think you can completely rule them out of the of the title race at the minute as well. So, yeah, this is, it's, it's a really good gauge, I think, on Sunday afternoon of, of where Liverpool are at. And, and, you know, the stakes are always high, aren't they, when these two clubs meet. But this one does feel especially important because you, you kind of think of the polar opposites you could end up with come Sunday night. You, know, you could be reflecting on, you know, Liverpool's probably their, their biggest, most important win probably since probably since they beat City in October and what that could do for them in terms of the springboards with what they've got coming up. And, you know, they'll, you know, they'll be right in the mix for the top four. Lose to a team that probably hurts more than anyone when you do lose to them. You're suddenly thinking, well, where does that leave this revival? Is it is it just in tatters? Is it you know is it going to be too much to to get into that top four conversation? So um, I'm intrigued to see what kind of lineup Klopp goes with. I don't know what what everyone else thinks, but I think I think the balance of the midfield that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. Which three picks in that department? I think it shows what spending 250 million in the summer can do to a team, and I know they already had. Rafael Varane, but what, what Ten Hag's done is effectively rebuild Man United's spine. They're at their best. They've got De Gea, who's back in, in form compared to you know where some of his levels have been at in recent seasons. You've got Varane, who was already there, but Martinez, Casemiro, Fernandez, and then you've got Rashford, who's not, kind of not necessarily always the number nine, but he's that that figure who's just at the moment in, in an unbelievable vein of form. Um, and it shows what you can do and, and how you can build, and that's what... You would say Liverpool's spine has, has sort of certainly been lacking this season, mainly in the midfield department, have been able to 
to control and, and sort of dominate games. But I think that's where the big difference is for United this season. They've got to a point where, I mean, even if you compare their lineup to, you know, from last season to this, it's it's night and day in terms of, you know, that quality, that experience, and also the type of characters they've got. So I think that's that's where you see the biggest change. And, and that's where... I think you know Casemiro, Liverpool know a lot about what he's what he's about. Given you know they faced him, at, you know playing for Real Madrid on a number of occasions. Um, and I think James is right. It is it is really interesting. It would be interesting to see what he does with that midfield because you would assume you would probably think Fabinho, Basetic, and Henderson. You would imagine. I think that would probably be the what Klopp would be thinking. Whether I don't know whether Elliot may have swayed things, but I think equally you've got to. You've got to be careful of that Manchester United transition, which has been so so important for them. Um, so you want to be guarding yeah. against that, and I think that's why you might err for sort of the, the more experienced, probably more responsible. And that's not to disrespect Elliot in any way, but you know a type of you know in in Henderson. Um, but I think that's why United have yes, it shows what spending two hundred fifty million is. Hopefully Liverpool can spend that and it have it had you know have have the same effect. In this summer, but um, they've they've built a, a core and a, and a and a spine which has become a lot more well, much more improved than what they were working with, and I think that's massively helped them get to where they're getting to, and they're riding riding this crest of a, a confidence wave where no matter what they do, no matter what game situation, they're finding ways to win games, and I think that you know that that is also helping them and just moves them on again and again and again. There's that togetherness, isn't there? Which you know we've we've seen at Liverpool in recent seasons, not only on the pitch between these you know elite sort of athletes with a, that elite sort of winning mentality like Casemiro. I think Fernandez has always had that. De Gea, obviously Varane. There's so many players in that team. Rashford I can't stop scoring, can he? He's just in you know this rich vein of form. Everything he hits turns to a goal. I think there's that togetherness on the pitch that you're seeing, but also, you know, watch the end of their game last night and there's a togetherness now among the fan base with the players. I think that all starts and, and ends of Eric Ten Hag and how he's handled, you know, coming into Man United because, you know, when they got beat by Brentford, I think we were all thinking, oh, you know, here they go again, another up and down season. But it just, you know, he, he's turned it around completely and I think the way he's dealt with different situations. I think we've gone over them there, but I think that's that's been massive to them. They just needed a, a manager who would come in and do those things. It's all sort of aligning for them at the minute. So what better time for Liverpool to beat them? Well, yeah, yeah. If you club, you think to yourself, well, things turned around so quickly there that things could turn around for us. And this would be a perfect day for it. But you know what I'd say? And the thing I, I worry about... Drop the high line on Sunday. Drop the high line. I'm worried about it. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Jota, here's Salah, and here is number four with the deftest of touches. Five at Old Trafford, four at Anfield, and still more than five. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic, with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill, and Andy Jones. So Liverpool are unbeaten in seven meetings at Anfield against Manchester United. Wouldn't it be brilliant to have an eighth there? Well, not only unbeaten, you know, wouldn't it be brilliant to have a victory? Mohamed Salah scored ten goals in the last five games against United, home and away. Salah, what? It's time for him, isn't it, to to feast on United again, James? I certainly hope so. Yeah, I mean, again, um, it was great to see him leave him with a smile on his face. On uh, on Wednesday night, it was quite funny actually. I was in the mix zone 
afterwards waiting for the players to come through. And um, I think, as everyone knows, Salah very rarely does media. And, and I, I basically said to him, come on, Mo, you know, let 20, 20 goals for the season, only the second Liverpool player ever to to score 20 plus um, and reach that milestone in six successive seasons, I think, after Ian Rush. And, and he kind of like screwed his face and said, only 20 goals, that isn't a good season. Love that. <laughs> Love that for Mo. It's, um, yeah. And you just know that you know, that's his mindset. He, he won't need telling that, you know, he, it's not like people are going to be, he would have been asking people to sign match balls or anything for him to, to mark that, that achievement. Because for him to only only have 20 at the start of March isn't isn't the level that he expects. And you can guarantee that he'll be looking at, you know, the, the games that are left and thinking, well, I can still, you know, I, I, I'd expect to get 30. And, Five um, against United. It sends him right <laughs> on the, that trajectory. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it, what I mean, what it, was it look, the, towards the end of last season when he revealed like his goal target was like 40 or 50 goals or something? Something crazy oh. like that, wasn't it? it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, Which I, I love for him, just like sitting yeah. at home being like 20. That's not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, has, I think he got to 30 and then he said, come on, Mo, you've got, you've got 30. You've got, surely you're going to have a chat with us. And he was like, I'll chat when I get to 40. And it was like... I don't know whether that was supreme confidence or whether he just knew it was the perfect way to fob us off. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, he breaks uh, records pretty much every game. So, like, you standing there trying to get him, being like, <laughs> broke another record, Mo. And he's like, yeah, it sort of happens quite a lot. So Yeah, and, and of course, you know, it could be another another kind of bit of history for him on Sunday. He's now only one behind Robbie Fowler as Liverpool's, you know, in the race to be Liverpool's highest scorer of the Premier League era. So, yeah, it, it did... It did, you know. It does make me laugh because I, I think, you know, by his ridiculously high standards, Salah would be the first to admit that he, he's been a, a fair way off that for the vast majority of this season. Yet, you know, how many other players would would absolutely love to be in the kind of crisis where they've got twenty goals under their belt at the start of March? It's it's all about levels, isn't it? And I think the great thing for Klopp is as well when he looks at that front line now. You know, yes. You know, Nunes didn't get his goal against Wolves, but you know, that that love affair he's got with the cop just continues to grow in terms of they love how he imposes himself on games. It was great to see him back. No no ill effects from that shoulder problem. I thought Diogo Jota did everything that Klopp asked of him after being played in that central attacking role in terms of hassling and harrying defenders. And I think he was key. Klopp touched upon it afterwards. You know, he described him as super important in terms of the shape of the team because as Klopp always bangs on about, you know, defending starts from the front and remember Pep Linders talking about Jota as being a pressing monster and they've certainly missed that. Yeah, Jota hasn't scored now in 26 appearances, which is a ridiculous barren run for someone of his calibre going back to last April. But, you know, well, again, sure five against United, wouldn't it? Five for Mon, five for Jota. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> and but I mean, what does I mean? That would be interesting to see. What does he do? Because obviously he gave Gagpo a breather, didn't he? Um, mm. Gagpo only came on for the last what fifteen. Does he bring Gagpo back in? Does he, you know, does does he keep faith with the the three that started last night? You know, it's a it's a really nice position to be in. I think defensively, Trent Alexander Arnold that was much much more like it as well for him at both ends of the pitch. And and of course, you know, as Kiva said, it'd be it'd be you know, you've got a resurgent Marcus Rashford coming to Anfield on the weekend, and they've had some they've had some good ding dongs before. And that you know that if you're looking for key battles, then Trent against Marcus Rashford is definitely going to be right up there. 
Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I'd refer to them as good ding-dongs. I'd be like, I'd be on the couch ding-dongs, some of them. Um, Andy, you know, this is this is going to be a crucial thing. You know, I mentioned the high line before, but Trent against Rashford, obviously they're going to target him, and this is another big test. Yeah, massive. Um, and I I sort of looked into into Trent this week, just to, because everyone knows, and I think he'd, he'd also admit that he's not been where he wants to be consistently enough this season, but I think his performance yesterday was certainly a, a big step in the in the right direction. And I think his, you know, even his performances against Everton and Newcastle were, you know, were signs that he was sort of beginning to get back to, to, to his best. And it was just sort of looking at different elements of his game, which, you know, to try and sort of, I guess, work out why he might not be up to, you know, those levels where he's, he's been in the past and, you know, the, the stuff like the minutes played. But I think one of the things that is important to highlight is the, the sort of the, the relationships and the connections around them. And I think that's what certainly Abu Kanate um, last night brought um, because I thought he was, for someone who'd just been out injured to come back in, um, I thought he was excellent and looked, you know, he didn't look rusty in, in sort of any way. A couple of straight passes, um, I think, in the first half, but that you sort of grew into the game as it went on. And I think in these types of battles when you want, you want Trent to be as effective as possible going forward, but you know that you've got and Marcus Rashford is is going to play, going to try and cheat, going to try and you know by staying high and, and sort of leaving Trent and looking to to get into that pocket behind it. You know, there's a, a lot of responsibility come comes on Trent to make sure he's aware of it and, and knowing where Rashford is, but also on that right centre back, but also that right right central midfield as well. And I think what we saw against Wolves and, and Elliot, I thought you know did did this well and Fabinho's. You know, being able to to help out in that regard as well was was important in in terms of shutting down and, and Wolves tried down that flank and he didn't try much, which I guess is a testament to how well um, Liverpool sort of shut that that area down and that's going to be key. It's it, it's it's Trent v Rashford, yes, but it's also how can those around Trent you know help contain a player who <laughs> unfortunately at the moment no one seems able to to contain. Um, so that that is the big test. It's going to be a big test for him, but you would hope that. Not only can he can he come out of that battle victorious, but also, um, you know, be effective and, and be the person who's you know who's feeding those those front three and, and being his creative best because you know we all know that's that's where he wants to be and that's all where we want him. You know, producing those elite, you know, those elite passes and and that creativity which will help Liverpool hopefully hopefully win the game. Well, Kiva, I start with you with the three little words. How about finishing with you? Let's have a prediction. My predictions have got me, you know, they've just uh, they've, they've been disastrous, haven't they? Me guaranteeing wins left, right and centre, never got them. So I'm not going to guarantee on Sunday. I want it from you. <laughs> I want you to guarantee a win. Thanks for that. I mean, great. Um, I hate predicting score lines, but I just, I don't, it's so hard to predict this one, I think, because United are just... Like I'd say grinding out wins, but they're not the quite convincingly winning games. Liverpool may be more on the side of grinding out the, the, their past three wins in the Premier League. Obviously, weren't able to do it at Palace. That would worry you a little bit. But like Andy just mentioned there, Canate being back, I think it's just integral, isn't it? You know, whatever happens in the midfield will be important. 
whether Klopp's tempted to, to stick with that midfield, I don't know. I'd kind of be tempted to do it, just like go for it, see what happens. I think Harvey Elias being more of that attacker midfielder and Bissetic being, you know, the one to help out Fabinho and improve Fabinho's game a little bit as well. I think he's done that since he's um when he's played alongside them. I think that can be important. Attack he'd probably say the same. Salanos does another record to be equaled or broken. I think the game will be won by a counter-attack goal of some form, whether that's United or Liverpool, because I think it's just going to be that kind of end-to-end. I'd like to think that it would be Liverpool, and I just hope that, you know, I'm not sure what the uh, mood was like at Anfield, but I think it it was probably quite good last night, given Liverpool won. I think for United, it's going to be similar to to Everton recently. And you'd think that Liverpool get an early goal or just look, you know, competent and comfortable coming out of this game. Even if it is a draw, I think avoiding defeat in this is quite key. But fingers crossed for the Liverpool win and maybe, you know, an Allison assist, dare to say it. And the roof comes off the famous old stadium once again. From goalkeeper to goal poaching master. In one fell swoop. Oh, well, that worked for me. And you know what? Anfield should be at its best. The bastion of invincibility. And we're all looking forward to it. So that's all for now from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiva and Andy. And you two for listening in. Remember, you can get involved in a Walk On group on Facebook. Just search Walk On Podcast and join the group there. And we'll be back after the Manchester United game. No doubt to celebrate. The Athletic.